I believe that God has commissioned us. He has called us to make an impact. God is challenging us to answer the prayer of Jesus. Will we be united? Will we rally together? Will we come together with united momentum to change lives? Why? Because we have too many people walking in darkness, too many people separated from God, because we want to see the name of God glorified. Because as we come together with united momentum, the world will know that God sent us and that he loves them and invites them into relationship with him forever. Well, thanks again for being here at Grace. We're glad you're with us. And thanks to Bloomville for joining us uh, today. We're glad you're with us as well. Before I get started in part two of Synergize, I, I notice we see a lot of things in the media. And every once in a while, I will see somebody or hear somebody clearly articulate the gospel. And I actually heard that this last week. Um, many of you probably have been aware of the uh, sexual abuse scandal that's rocked uh, USA Gymnastics. Um, one of the first, per my understanding is the first person who came forward and then the last person who spoke in court was a young lady named Rachel Denhollander. And here's part of what she said that I just want to point out to you. She, she's addressing the court. Uh, Dr. Nasser is, is sitting in the court. I think this is right before sentencing. And, here's, and she has a lot to say. The second half of what she says is tremendous. You want to check it out. But part of it is this. So she's addressing him. Should you ever reach the point of truly facing what you have done, the guilt will be crushing. And that's what makes the gospel of Christ so sweet. Because it extends grace and hope and mercy where none should be found, and it will be there for you. I pray you experience the soul-crushing weight of guilt so that you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God, which you need far more than forgiveness from me, although I extend that to you as well. That's just a, just a snippet of what she had to say, tremendous testimony from that that young lady, and just want to point that out if you want to check it out. It's, it's good stuff. She is an example of somebody who's been transformed by the power of the gospel, and she's able to articulate that to a watching world. And really, that's, that's what our ministry is all about. We exist in a broken, a lost, and dying world, and the hope of that world is really the church, because we carry the life-changing, soul-saving message of Jesus Christ. We talked a little bit about that last week, about our mission at Grace, that, that our mission is, is to make disciples. It's to win people to Christ, point them to Christ. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're using a, a buzzword, synergize, uh, which is really, it means coming together in a way that uh, the... Well, I'm going to mess this up. Coming together where the sum of our united efforts, the effect of that is greater than, than the effect of our individual parts. And so that's, that's synergy 
That's what we're talking about with synergize. It's easier to explain just by saying one plus one is, is greater than two is the effect that you get um, in synergy. And, and we've been talking about united momentum to change lives. Talked about our mission, like I said, about discipleship. And by the way, as we go through this, because it's a little more church-focused, if you're sitting here and you're a new believer or you don't know much about the Bible and you don't know anything about church and you're just hanging out and you're thinking, wow, as we get into this, maybe I'm in the wrong place. Maybe I shouldn't be here. Well, let me just tell you, yeah, we're glad that you're here. And um, hopefully as we go through this, you'll just be able to see our heart for you and, and everyone else who needs Christ and, and what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it. And, and if you're feeling that way, maybe I don't belong here. I, I totally get that because that's the way I feel that one, uh, I felt at one time. That man, you know, I, I'm not really uh, a church person and, uh, and I don't know all this stuff from the Bible like other people do. Hey, I get it. Hang with us. We want you. You're in exactly the right place and we're glad you're here. What I want to talk about today is how do we engage? We talked about the mission of Grace Community Church, the mission of the church uh, throughout all the world. And today I want to talk about how we can specifically engage in the mission of grace. Since we're here at Grace, how do we engage in that mission that God's given us to impact the world, to make disciples, to point people to Christ? How How do we engage in that? Well, first is that we can pray. We talked about prayer a few weeks ago. It was actually before this series. And, uh, and, and really wanted to people catch, you know, please, 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 don't miss the insane reality that you and I are invited into the presence of Almighty God, creator of the universe, and he wants us to communicate with him. What a privilege. Don't miss that. And when you're talking to God, please, for our church, pray for our leadership, pray for wisdom, that we will do things right, that we will do things in a way that honors God. Pray that we'll, we, things will come together so that we can make maximum impact in Tiffin. Pray for the hearts of the people there, that God will prepare those hearts in advance so so when we get there, the, the gospel will ring through. So that's one way, is just pray. And then the next thing, how you can engage in our mission, is simply attend, show up, belong, be with us, come to church. That's actually what God intends for every believer, that they would attach themselves to a local church in their area, and that that they would interact, that they would be part of that. Jesus said, I will build my church, and he wants every Christian to attend a local church. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And then here's the kicker not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more, as you see, the day drawing near. So we're told in Scripture, hey, the church is Jesus' idea. He founded it. He's the one that will build it. He launched it. And it's a part, it should be the 
part of the normal Christian life that we are integrated, we are engaged in the local church, that we show up there. One of the, one of the things we've been struggling with over the last three, four months is we've had live streaming. All, all, our sermons are available at our website, but we also have been live streaming our, our services, or we did until a few months ago. And then for some reasons we stopped that, but we noticed all of a sudden there was a change in our attendance, that more people were showing up when we stopped the live streaming. So that kind of left us with a, with a conundrum. I mean, we're thinking, okay, is this a front door for the church or is this a back door for the church? I mean, is this helping us or is this hurting us? And we're realizing that sometimes people get up, you know, maybe you're running late and uh, things aren't coming together, or, or maybe you're just tired, or it's cold outside, or whatever, and you realize when we have live streaming, hey, I can do church at home in my PJs, you know, with my coffee. And, it, you know, we have coffee, but, you know, hey, it's great. You know, I, I, can, I can just hang out here. And, and that is great, except we don't want to encourage you to do something that God says is wrong. God wants you to come together at church. He wants you to be here, to interact with other people. That's God's idea. That's Jesus' idea. We don't want to keep you from doing that. So we are, are uh, we're actually planning to restart our live streaming, but just with that caveat that we hope that wouldn't keep anybody from coming to grace. It's great for when people are sick, uh, great for when people are traveling out of town, they can stay connected and those things, but uh, we have discovered there's unintended consequences there. By the way, if you're ever running late, if you're ever running late to this service, you realize there's another service exactly like this service, you know, like an hour and a half later. So rather than, than sweat it or stress, what you could do is just, oh, I'm running late. We're going to be late. We're going to be 15, 20 minutes late. All right. Hey, just take a deep breath. Relax. Go even slower. And then just drift on into church in a casual kind of way, and you'll be right on time for third service. So you don't worry, we, I'm always astounded at, at time change, you know, when we gain an hour's sleep, our attendance is always really good that Sunday, and I'm thinking, I don't get that, because we have three identical services, you know, rather than, hey, well, I just saved an hour. Well, you could just come to a later service, you'll save an hour and a half, you know, it, it's just that easy, but whatever, you know, we, we're here to serve you, we're glad that you're with us, but coming to church, it's important. It's God's plan. He wants us to come together. And part of that is, is the third way we engage. We pray, we attend. Third, serve. How do you engage at grace? What does God intend? How does he intend for you to engage at grace? Well, by serving. You should serve. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of of God. Here's what Scripture's teaching all through Scripture. And, and most of you know this. I won't take the time to tediously read through all these passages, but there are a lot of passages teaching this. That when you become a true follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and He equips you with gifts and abilities for the specific purpose of serving the local church serving the church that you attend. So every single believer is equipped by God with gifts or abilities in order to serve the local church. So that means this. 
If you're sitting here and you're a believer and you're not serving in our church, then our church is not everything that it could be because we don't have the full effect, the synergistic effect of all of us coming together to do with this greater effect. We don't have that going on. We're missing your ministry that God has given to us. So everybody has a role. Everybody has a place to serve. And we're all over that. We try to make the on-ramp real easy for you to do that. We have a whole class, one of our core classes devoted to that, Class 301, where we describe different ministries. We find out, help you discover kind of how you're wired up. You never leave that class with a job or anything. We really want you to find a place that you will joyfully be able to serve. And once you get in somewhere, we will not just keep you in there or guilt you to be in there. If if you're not having fun, if you don't think that's a spot, then shift to another spot. That's okay. And uh, that's what 301's about. Also, you can go to our website, ohiograce.com slash volunteers, and there's a form you can fill out where we'll, we'll contact you and, uh, and, and that's another way to, another on-ramp into serving at Grace, and you could take advantage of that. As a matter of fact, I said that last service, before the sermon was over, we already had a few people. So I'm going, hold it now. So that means people, while I'm talking, are there signing up on their, you know, things. So it's like, so I, I guess that's a good thing, but, you know, I, I don't know. So if you see somebody, you know, doing something on their device, maybe they're not just goofing off. Maybe they're actually reacting to, uh, to what we're talking about. Fourth way, what do we say? Pray, attend, serve. And then the fourth thing that I want to talk about, and I'll I'll try to unpack that a little bit because we don't talk about that much, and that is give. Pray, attend, show up, serve, because God has called all of us to serve as believers. And then fourth, give. And as we learn a little bit about giving, here, here's what Paul says about giving in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, the whole context there is about giving, that Paul is talking to the believers in Corinth, who are mainly Gentile, about taking up a collection for believers in Jerusalem, and they're experiencing a famine at the time. So it's all about giving. And I want us to focus in on part of what Paul's saying there. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. If you have a Bible or your device or follow on the screen above. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. He starts out and says, now this I say. It's an interesting phrase there, now this I say. Basically what he's saying, because this is a letter, and he's toward the end of the letter, and he says, now this I say. Uh, another way that could be translated is now listen to this or check this out or tune in. He, he has this little transition, transition because he's saying, yeah, we've been talking about this, but hold it. There's something here I want you to get. Something that applies to this whole giving thing that I don't want you to miss. So he starts out, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, 
so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it's written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. And so that's our primary passage that we're looking at this morning. And as we reflect on that, there are six points about giving that I want us to catch, that I want us to understand. First is this, God wants your heart more than your gift. God wants your heart more than your gift. God doesn't need your money. I mean, it's not about that giving. He calls us to give. It's not about God needing something from us. God wants us. He wants our life. He wants our heart. And the primary purpose for us to be generous is not for God to get money out of our pocket. It's so that we can get idols out of our heart. Because money is so deceiving. I mean, probably, and I've talked about this before, about greed. Nobody thinks they're greedy. Nobody sees that in themselves. But God's pointing out to us that he wants us to live generously as Christians. And, and if you're a little, you know, not sure about that, one surefire way that, that you can check that about yourself is just pull out your, your bank statement, pull up your, your card statement, and see how you spend your money. It's where we put our money. That's where our treasure is. That's what God's saying. And sometimes we're valuing the wrong things. So just, just know that God wants your heart more than your gift. Secondly, Paul's teaching us here, Please understand, you do not have to fear giving. I think sometimes when there's some project or something's happening, and, and although we would never do an individual ask of anybody for money, we just don't operate that way, but, but I think sometimes when we're just even on the topic, sometimes people will think about giving, and it creates a fear, kind of an insecurity inside of them, because they'll be thinking, well, well, what if something changes? What if I give this money and, and then all of a sudden I become needy or all of a sudden I have less security or all of a sudden that's a problem and, and I'll regret it or whatever? We don't have to fear giving because when we're giving to, to our church, that's giving to God. It's because of who we're giving to. We don't have to fear giving. Why? Because of God's principle of giving. And God's principle when it comes to giving is that you cannot ever outgive God. Now, please understand this whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly, whoever sows bountifully reaps bountifully. We don't want to abuse texts like this. We don't want to turn, this is not a name it, claim it, where uh, when, when a preacher gets up and says, hey, if you give to this initiative or this program or this. 
uh, church launch or, or whatever it is, then, you're, uh, then God is obligated to reward you in some specific financial way. It's not that. We're not, um, we're not abusing the text. But on the other, in, other side of the equation is we don't want to over-spiritualize the text. And we over-spiritualize the text when we say, in the context of giving, when God says, so sparingly you reap sparingly, so bountifully you reap bountifully, oh, he's really not talking about money. This is, in, in some places he's not, but here he is. And so we don't want to over-spiritualize it and, and say, no, this doesn't apply to finances at all. This is only spiritual blessings, because really that's contextually not correct. So we find the balance. We don't abuse it. We don't want to turn this into name it, claim it, weird stuff. And, and of course, a lot of people do that to manipulate people into giving. But on the other side, we don't want to over-spiritualize it to where, oh, there is, you know, God is not saying anything about whether he'll give us, re, re, bless us financially, because he, God is talking about that. God teaching, God's teaching us that we'll be blessed when we are generous, and he's also saying we'll be blessed financially when we're generous. Just, that's just part of it. That's the he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, by the way, a lot of us have experienced through our life sort of a, a, an increase in what we earn, you know, uh, that our, our income has gone up. And when God increases our income, it's not so much to increase our standard of living. I believe really he does that to increase our standard of giving. Again, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with enjoying what God's blessed you with. But I'm also saying as, as we go and God increasingly blesses us in all these different ways that it creates a larger opportunity for us to be generous, and God is speaking to that. And don't miss that. And, and there's actually, uh, that's talked about in verse 11 where it says, you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. He's saying, you'll be enriched, and you'll be able to use that more in giving, in blessing others. And, and by the way, anything we have, is anything good we have is God's blessing to us. And I know people push back and they say, well, Kevin, you know, I work a lot harder than a lot of people and a lot longer hours and totally get that. But I just want you to stop and, and remember who gives you your cognitive ability to work? Who gives you your physical ability to work? Who gives you your relational abilities to work? All of that, that's all a gift from God. Those are all gifts from God. And so even the abilities we have in order to make money, to earn a living, to take care of our families, even those abilities that we have that we use and maybe use with a great amount of effort and dedication, hopefully, all, all those abilities are still gifts from God. And, and by the way, one other thing is the fact that you were born in America during this time span rather than 12th century Tibet or 14th century China 
or 16th century Europe. In all those places, you have people who are probably equally as gifted as you are, working and many times harder than you're working and barely being able to feed their families. So you just have to know, that's a gift too. We have been blessed by God. He has given us, in our culture today, an unusual opportunity to provide for our families and have plenty left over to bless others. I've been to many countries around the world, and what I've noticed is in most of those countries that I've been to, $6 a day is the average wage for a good, faithful, dedicated worker. And if somehow you can make $10 a day in several of those countries, and I'm talking about Philippines, Thailand, C-A-R, Cameroon, and all those places, $10 a day, you're making good money. That's great. $10 a day. We've been blessed. We just have to be able to see that. 1 Corinthians 4-7, the earlier book that uh, Paul wrote, says... For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? And, and that's just a wake-up call to a lot of us when, when we think we're really hard workers or we're a little bit smarter than everybody else, and, and that's why we have a little bit more than everybody. Hey, all that's from God. You just have to know it. Third, wanted to clear up, because a lot of new Christians don't understand a term, and just talk about that a little bit, and, and that's the term tithe, because you hear, hear people saying, well, I'm going to, uh, you know, or some people are just like, what's tithing? You know, what's that mean? And other people are like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try for, you know, a, a 2% tithe, you know, this next year. Tithing, or the tithe, simply means, it's just a, a, a word that means tenth. That's all it means, a tenth, 10%. That's all tithing means. And so there's a little debate among Christians today saying, well, the tithe, that applies for us today. And some Christians will say, no, the tithe, that was an Old Testament thing that doesn't really apply to us. So I just want to work through that a little bit. The tithe was God's command in the law to the people in Israel in the Old Testament that they were to give back to God a tenth of all their increase. So however God blessed them through their work or whatever, a tenth, God's saying, give a tenth of what I've blessed you with back to me. And so, uh, but you just also have to know that that tenth principle was, before, was in the Bible before the law too, that it crops up. For example, uh, Abraham gives a tenth to a priest called Melchizedek of the Most High God in Salem. Well, that's a tenth. Jacob, when he comes back to the land after being up with Laban, he comes in and he talks to God and he says, surely I will give you a tenth. All that stuff's happening before Moses, before the law. So you just have to know the principles there. And then in the New Testament, Jesus mentions the tithe but he mentions it as he's talking to the Pharisees. As a matter of fact, here, here's a passage in Luke 11:22. So Jesus, he's affirming the tithe. 11:42, he says, "But woe to you Pharisees, for you pay tithe 
of mint and rue and every kind of garden herb, and yet disregard justice and the love of God. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. So he says this, this is recorded in a couple different places. He basically says, you Pharisees are so legalistic, you don't just tithe on your income, you tithe on everything you receive, even little spices, you tithe part of that back to God. And Jesus says, and as you're focusing on all these details, you're missing justice, love, mercy, you know, the bigger, weightier parts of the law. And so he's confronting them and saying they're messing up, but then he's also saying, you should do that. You should focus on these weightier manners of the, uh, matters of the law. And then he says, without neglecting the former, without neglecting your tithes. So he kind of affirms it. The mystery and, and why there's a debate is because after the Gospels, after Jesus leaves, we don't see anybody mentioning a tithe anymore. For example, Paul, especially when you take the Gospels out, who, who writes the majority of the rest of the New Testament, he, ne- he talks about giving, for example, in these two chapters, but he doesn't mention the tithe. And so now that's, that creates the argument. So there's speculation as to why he doesn't do that. Well, he doesn't do that because now we're in grace and none of that applies anymore. And some people say, no, he doesn't do that because everybody already understood that. That was just a given. But it's very interesting that Paul doesn't mention that. And, and I think... I know why, and and it really doesn't matter which side of the debate you're on. I think it's because of this. I think the New Testament writers, the, the apostles and disciples that followed Jesus, I think they instinctively got that anytime they attach a number, that all of a sudden that makes it possible for people to be legalistic. And so they avoid that. They avoid the whole number thing so people can feel really good about themselves when they do it and look down on others when they don't do it and be legalistic about it so they don't mention it. And so Paul then, what does he say? Give according to how God's blessed you. Okay, well, that kind of blows you away a little bit. Okay, well, that, that doesn't seem like it's going to be anything less. I mean, give according to how God's blessed you. And, and so you just have to wrestle that with, in your own heart. Um, you know, for me, well, let me put it this way. Well, you'll talk to some people. Some of you, you're wired up like, uh, that's not good enough, Kevin. I need a number. I want to know it. I want to know it now. I don't want to leave here without knowing it. I need a number. I need some digits. I need something I can wrap my mind. I need to know what you're talking about. When you say giving, what is that? I need to know. Okay, well, if that's you, well, 10%, that's the number. You know, well, is that on my gross or my net? Is that before taxes or, you know, you work all that out with God. I'm just saying here, if you need a number, here's a number for you to shoot for. And maybe you're going, well, I've never done that. I mean, I'm a new Christian. I've, well, start, if that's, that would be impossible for me, Kevin. Okay, well, start working toward it then. God's challenging you on this. God's saying he's gonna bless you. I'm saying there's no lose here. Give it a try. And, and so there's some who, who've never, you know, they've never been in the habit of giving. This is all new to, to you. And well, just start out. Start wherever you can start. Figure that out in your own heart. Fe- between you and God. 
some people here, some of us have been tithing for years. And so we just have always expected our whole life and our finances just assumes that. And so it's just normal for us. And it no longer really represents a whole lot of sacrifice because we've already baked that into everything we do. Well, God might be calling us to step up a little bit and give and be generous and, and make an impact. You know, on one of the pages in our brochure there, we're saying, you know, be a strategic investor. Go beyond all that. And, and there are many people in our church family that do that. Wherever you're at, just figure that out with God. Give according to how God's blessed you. God's concern is that your heart be right with him and that you simply be generous. Fourth, fourth point. Paul's telling us we should give cheerfully, meaning willfully and joyfully, not under compulsion, not grudgingly, not under manipulation. Please do not ever feel manipulated or guilted by me into making any decision for God. No, all those things for God, no matter what it is, that's between you and God. I'm throwing it out there, what the Bible says, and, and then you can wrestle it out with God. Don't feel manipulated by me. That's the last thing that I want to do. I just want to present what God says and let you figure that out. We're to give cheerfully. Here at 2 Corinthians, we read it. Well, actually, the, the chapter before, chapter 8, he says this in verse 8. I am not, and he's talking about this giving. He says, I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Okay. There, we don't have to worry about over-spiritualizing. We get that he's primarily talking about spiritually, spiritually gifts, rich spiritually. But other places, we can't over-spiritualize it that way. Got to take it in context. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, what we read a while ago says, each one, that's everyone, every believer, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly, nor under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Again, God doesn't actually need our money. God doesn't need us to give back a portion of how he's blessed us. Generosity is actually for our benefit. It's to keep our heart centered on God and not other things. And it also opens up a channel you know, for God to bless us. God's idea, not compulsion, not manipulative, figure it out in your own heart between you and God. And I'm not talking about Tiffin. I'm just talking about any giving. You need to figure that out with God. Fifth point, joyful generosity is proof that Jesus has transformed your heart. Joyful generosity is proof that Jesus has transformed your heart. 
And this shows up in the verse right where we left off. I left off in 12. Now I want to pick it up in 2 Corinthians 9, 13. It says this. So he's been talking about this gift and they're giving. He says, because of the proof given by this ministry, that's giving, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. While they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. It's a mouthful there, but what he's saying is, hey, when you give, you're showing your, your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ. You're showing that you've embraced the good news of Jesus, that you're showing that the Holy Spirit has transformed your heart and your life. And that's exactly what happens when we become aware of our sin and we understand what, what Christ has done for us and when we place our trust in Christ, when we call out to Christ, as, as Romans 10 would say, it's the Spirit that comes into our life and changes us from the inside out. And part of that is His promptings to us to be generous. And then that brings us… And why? Because we owe Him everything. We owe him everything, and he wants us to be generous, so that prompts us that way. That brings us to the last point, and that is the way Paul closes this section is by pointing to motive. And the last point is joyful giving is motivated best by gratitude. And Paul closes this section in the next verse, verse 15, 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. And what is that? The sending of His one and only Son to save us. The best motivation for giving is not presenting the need, I don't think. I don't think that's what Paul's, Paul's telling us something different. We present the need, so that's why we have a plan and we tell you we've been working on this. Here's the deal. Uh, this, we're going to plan to go to Tiffin. It's going to cost some money. We're not going to build right away. We're going to rent facilities and all this stuff. And Paul gave the plan. Hey, we need money. It's for the saints in Jerusalem. We get that. And we do that for accountability. And, and we also do that for ownership in what God's doing. But that's not the best motivation, the need. The best motivation for giving is gratitude. That we understand what God has done for us. That gratitude, to me, is what best motivates any of our gifts back to God. So, please know, if you're new, or you're a guest, or you haven't been a Christian very long, I'm not really addressing this to you. That's kind of a family thing, grace community. And, uh, and we've got this project. We feel like God's put something on our hearts, and we're going for it. Tiffin, we actually have a couple of groups of students that come from Tiffin University. Where are you guys at? So, yeah, right down here. So, yeah, great, great to have you. And I've been coming for, for a while, and God just... Uh, God's blessed us. I'd like David to come up. We're going to just talk through about the logistics. The reason I'm doing this is we're not talking about giving next week. You know, this is it. And so we just, you know, and we'll just leave it with you. 
And we don't ask anybody for, uh, for a certain size gift or anything like that. And so, first of all, we handed out those brochures. And how many of you have those brochures? Or you know where they're at or whatever. So if you have them, great. If you, don't, if you need one of those, you can go get one in the information table and, uh, before you leave. And we want you to have that. Just kind of shares the vision of what we're doing. And then on the back page of that is a card that you can rip off. And uh, are you going to do the show and tell for me? That's great. Man. Yeah, I'm, a okay. pro- I'm the prop. Yeah. This is David Stacy, <laughs> by the way. He's, uh, he's our, our financial manager. He has experience in farming and also finance. And he came on board with us last year. It's been great to have him. He, he was OSU graduate. And, is there any other uh, place to go to yeah. college? So anyway, yeah. It, it, uh, yeah, I should have saw that coming, huh? But uh, so, so some people are just asking us how to do this, and there's some things. So it's basically if you feel led by God to give, you can just put that on a card, what you feel like you will be giving, whether it's just one time now or what you'll start giving over the next three years, because we're going to do this for three years, put that on a card. That just helps us plan. But there's some caveats to that, right? I think, you know, we can be, we want to make sure that we're not misleading anybody to do this wrong. Absolutely. So um, just, uh, we can talk about accounting, which is big fun. I know you're all excited to hear about that. So the weekly offering um, goes to our operating expenses, keeping the lights on, uh, keeping the space maintained, funding our ministries. So um, I say that to say this, if you're giving $100 a week, as an example, uh, to that general offering, don't feel compelled, if you feel compelled to give to this, don't say, I'm going to take that $100 and slide it over to Synergize, the latest chapter of Growing with Grace, because that, uh, that creates a, a difficult situation. You're going to make David's job a lot harder to keep our ministry here flowing if you do. That's what he's trying to say. He's like, yeah, if you just shift all that, that's not going to be so easy for me. But I would prefer not to work for free um, <laughs> if I don't have to. Um, beast feast might turn into baloney feast. So I, maybe some of these things resonate with you. I don't, I don't know. So. But they're, they're, so we're saying if, if you have a normal amount you're giving and you're giving it to our, just our general fund and you shift that over, that's kind of not what we're looking for for you to put down on a card. But there is a caveat to that. Right. So if you have been giving to the Growing with Grace, um, we don't want to just continue that, assuming that you want to continue giving to that. If you want to, if you want to maintain that at the same amount, if you want to make that a different amount, we're just asking you to put that on a card and, and expressly tell us that. We don't want to take anything for granted in this. We, we appreciate that previous giving tremendously. Um, if you want that to continue, just, just uh, spell it out for us. Yeah. So if you're just a regular giver to grace, first of all, thank you, because you make this happen. But uh, we're not asking you if, if that regular gift, sliding that over to, to, grow, to this Synergize Growing with Grace fund is going to be an issue. You know, we're not asking you, to, we're asking you not to do that. Unless you're already normally giving to Growing with Grace, that you would put on your card because we're going to assume there's no Growing with Grace giving before we start this. So does that make sense? So if you're giving 50 to our regular budget, and, but you've been around and you've been a part of our Growing with Grace, and even though we ended last year, you continued anyway, and you've been giving 50 to that, and that's what you want to keep doing, then that 50 you would write down. But your other 50, 
I don't know if I just muddied that up or what. I thought we were clear, but I appreciate your help. I messed it up. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, all right. So how do, we, how do we get the, and we're not saying everybody should be involved. It's just if God lays it on your heart. And there, if, if God does lay it on somebody's heart, how do we communicate that? You can fill out uh, the card that's on the, the last page of the brochure. Uh, additionally, out in the information center, down in the coffee area, there are stacks of these single cards next to some ballot boxes. If you just, just fill that out, slip it in the boxes, it'll make its way to us. Um, additionally, you can always throw it in the offering bag and it will make it to the right place as well. Too late for you today, but just going forward. Yeah, so next, next two Sundays, actually, we're not going to talk about giving. We just might re remind you that we are, you know, how to turn the cards in. But, uh, yeah, the next two offerings, actually, it, it would go on beyond that. We're just looking for a number that we can announce. So next two weeks in the offer bag or in one of the boxes, that'd be great. Anything else I'm forgetting? Uh, the only other thing I would offer is that uh, last week we had um, a couple of early commitments to this, very generous, and we want to take, I want to take that opportunity. I get a peek behind the curtain. I get to see these things when they first come through, and thank you to those of you that, that have already jumped in. We appreciate that. That's really, it's humbling. Yeah. Uh, we very much appreciate the generosity of the people here at Grace. So, um, you know, just thank you. And we're going to close again next Sunday. We're continuing in Synergize. We're not talking about giving. Hope to see you there. Let's stand together. And, uh, and the reason we're a little reluctant to, to, to talk about giving is every week we have so many non-Christians come into our and sit in with us. We just don't want to give anybody the impression because some people have that impression, hey, church is all about money, yada, yada. Grace, we are not that way. We are all about ministry. It, it takes money to do that, but uh, we want to see lives change. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness, and God, we pray that you'd give us wisdom on how to go forward in a way that would glorify you. Lord, we do recognize that it seems that you've positioned us to, uh, in a unique spot where it seems like we can make a huge impact on, on this town that we feel is a little underserved uh, with the gospel, although there's a, a, a handful of, of good churches there. And Lord, we pray that you'd just help us to be effective in doing that. God, thanks for loving us. Lord, thanks for teaching us how to give. And, uh, and Lord, we pray that nobody here would feel um, manipulated or forced or talked into uh, any gift from us, that that would just always be between them and you. God, thanks for loving us. Thank you most of all for how you loved us in, in the sending of your son, Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.